If you're just joining Sunridge, um, my name's Britt. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to, I want to say welcome. Uh, you can see that um, we care deeply about some of the things that are going on in, our, in this world, and uh, it's what God is doing in our hearts that uh, pushes us forward to make a change. It's, uh, you know, the gospel isn't just that, you know, I can be born again and I have a place in heaven. The gospel lives through us. And we shine the gospel around the world. And I'm just so grateful for everybody that's been a part of that. I know that these runners have a lot of challenges ahead of them. Um, and they'll have a lot of doubts. They've probably already done that. You know, like on the tw- I know a couple of weekends ago, it was a 20-mile run for the full marathon people. And um, I've never run that far in my life. But I know that for me, around mile 10 and a half, uh, I had serious doubts about uh, what my body can endure. And so there's like this whole thing that goes on, the challenge of of faith inside you when you go through this. And um, thank you, everybody, for supporting them. Speaking of doubt, do you know that God understands and even welcomes our doubts? Yeah, the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. When Thomas came to Jesus and he expressed doubt, Jesus didn't kick him out of the club. He said, okay, touch, touch my wounds. And even for us today, you know, Jude says that we should so show mercy to those who doubt. That's one of the reasons why we want to be a church that it's okay for you to not be okay. We talk about belonging before you believe. And if you're kind of, if you're exploring faith, it's like this is a, we want it to be a safe place for you to explore what it means to be a Christ follower, what it means to be a Christian. And we realize that so much of that comes with doubt. In fact, faith and doubt are often life companions. That's what I love about this series about Gideon. We titled it Gideon when life is bigger than you because often it is. And my hope for those of you uh, that are going to be here for this collection of messages is that whatever you're facing, whatever's in front of you, whatever decision, that because of this collection of talks, that you will have greater confidence in God to face the things that are coming on the horizon and looming towards you. Uh, last week, we started looking at this remarkable man named Gideon, and we saw that he lived in this period that in the Bible is called the period of Judges. There's a book named after that, and this is really unique time in Israel's history where they don't have any official leaders, but yet God continues to touch different people and call them into leadership because they have a specific skill or gift. There's a cycle that goes on in the life of Israel at this time. It's like blessing leads to apathy in their spiritual life, and they fall away, and God allows or brings consequences, and then he uses a judge, this single person, to help them rise out of the darkness that they have fallen into. It's names like Eli and Samson, you might have heard those, uh, and Gideon. It's one of these people. When the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, he he calls him mighty warrior, which is kind of tongue-in-cheek because he's not mighty. He's hiding from the Midianites 
and because they would surge into Israel when, they, when their uh, crops were bursting and their livestock was uh, abundant, and they would steal everything. And so God is raising up Gideon to lead them away to, to, to get victory over this oppressive tribe called the Midianites. But when the angel of the Lord calls him mighty warrior, you know, Gideon's kind of embarrassed. He's, he's not feeling it at all. And so he has a lot of questions. He throws up every excuse that he could possibly have why he should not be the person to do this. And some of his reasons are valid. They're not just excuses. It's truly the picture. He's not that great. He comes from the smallest tribe. He's the, he's the youngest of all, of all of his family. So he's the most unlikely candidate. And you know, that's, God loves that setup. And so even with, with all of his questions, the angel comes back and he just keeps reassuring him. And in the end, he says, look, this is something God wants you to do. God says, I am sending you. But, yeah, you're right. You don't have what it takes, but I will be with you. So go in the strength you have. That was last week's talk. And in spite of all this, in spite of all the reassurance, and in spite of the fact that he has an angel who appears out of nowhere talking to him, you know that Gideon still needs more assurance? In verse 17 of Judges 6, Gideon replies, If now I've found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. In other words, are you really sure about this? Do you really want me to tackle this thing? I don't know about you, but I find a connection to that because most of us need reassurance from time to time from God. Are we on the right path? Do you really want me to take this step? Should I really have that conversation? And all of us, we face things that are way bigger than us. I would love to be that person who's larger than life, that things come at him, and I just tackle them, but I'm not that person. And I know that you're not, at least all the time. We need reassurance from God, and so we, we seek his, his path, we seek his wisdom, we seek confidence from him, and then God gives us his answers, and then we have more questions, don't we? We're funny like that. And that's where Gideon was. Is this, is this really the right decision? And in verse 17, he says, give me a sign. Show me a sign that this is really what you want me to do. And you'd think that at this point, God gets frustrated with him, but he doesn't. God is only too willing to provide the assurance that he needs. And so that's what I want to talk about today. If you have a big thing in front of you, if you have a challenge that you think is bigger than you, if you have a conversation that is above you, if you have a relationship that is challenging, if you have anything that just seems bigger than you can tackle and you want to know, what does God want from me? The main thought that the, the passage we look at today is this. We can know what God wants us to do and that he is with us every step of the way. If you're seeking God right now and you, you have a thing or you sense a nudge, 
You can know what God wants you to do. And you can have the confidence that he's here right beside your side through every step. Now, it assumes that you want to know what God wants, right? But even in knowing what God wants, often his will is readily found, but more difficult to follow. But whatever your issue is, whether you're seeking God for his direction or you're just seeking the confidence from God to do what you, what you sense he's calling you to do, you can move forward with what I call a humble confidence because God will give you the reassurance. When, when Gideon says, give me a sign that it's really talking, that you're really talking to me, that is often our prayer to God. And you know, it's not going to be his last request. But it's also true that God is going to reassure him every time. Now, the angel of the Lord gives Gideon three assurances. The first one is when, when Gideon senses his call, he seeks to worship God. And so he goes and he gets a loaf of bread and a pot roast, and he brings it back to an altar to worship before the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord touches that offering and, consume, and it's consumed immediately. And there's no question that Gideon is thoroughly impressed by this because he falls on his face and he, and he cries out, Sovereign Lord, and he worships God right there. So you would think, if you were in a worship service and God did something amazing like that, like he did for Gideon, you'd go, I'm good. I know the next step. Nope, not Gideon. In verse 36, he then says to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there's only dew on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. It wasn't enough to consume my offering. Now what I want you to do, Lord, is make the ground dry and my fleece wet. And in verse 38, that's what happened. Gideon arose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out a, a, the dew, a bowl full of water. And then you would think, Gideon would go, wow, that's awesome. Now I know that you are going to save Israel by my hand just as you promised. Nope. He doesn't know. He flips it around. And just in case I got this wrong, in verse 39, Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, which, by the way, is not going to be his last request. This time, make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. And that night, God did so, and only the fleece was dry, and all the ground was covered with dew. By the way, this is where the phrase, throw out a fleece, came from. It came from the Bible. And here's the issue Gideon's an ordinary person. Life seems bigger than him. And he's not sure he's really up for what God is asking him to do. His concerns are much like ours. God, number one, like, do you really want me to do this? Am I really the person? Is this, is this the next step? And then once assured of that, he wants full assurance of success. He wants it to be easy. It's like, God, if I'm the person, if this is the thing you want me to do, it's all going to work out, right? It'll be success. I'll be rich. I'll be famous. I'll go on the speaking trail and tell my story. I'll write a book. Those are good. I know you don't want to write a book. Neither do I. But 
Like, this is the pattern that we follow because life often feels bigger than us. Our questions never end. If you can relate, raise your hand. All of us have stuff. All of us have things that we see coming at us. Some of them are are our own doing. We're paying the price. Some of us just, we're dreaming dreams. We're like, we want to do something for God. We want to take a next step, and it just seems way bigger than us. Some of us, life brings us something, a tragedy, an experience, something that we didn't see coming and just blindsides us, and we're like, holy cow, I do not have what it takes to go through this. Some of you are, you know, you're just trying to hold your marriage together. You're like, God, just show me how I can do this. Give me assurance that it will work out. Show me what I can do. And some of you are just trying to get out of an inappropriate relationship. It's like, God, I can't leap until I know that there's someone else. It's like we're, we're constantly struggling, whatever our situation is. Some of you are saying, you know, I... Um, you know, I'm getting back in the dating world. I don't know what to do. Some of you are saying, I just came to church for the first time in a long time, or the first time ever since you were a little kid, and you're sitting out there and you're wondering, if, is God the answer for me? Some of you are just trying to live out your faith. You're a committed Christian, and like, but there are these intersections in your life where it's like, you know, I, I think I need to say something. And you don't know if you have the strength do it. We can know what God wants us to do, and we can know that He is there with us. In this part of Gideon's story, I see three things, three ways that God gives him reassurance for the path and that God is with him. Number one, If you want the reassurance from God that you're on the right path, then you have to make sure that God is first in your life. This is where it starts. You have to make sure that God is first. You know, the first thing the angel of the Lord tells Gideon to do is not to go fight the Midianites. In verse 25, he says, here's how you start. Tear down your father's altar to Baal. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord. And so Gideon did as the Lord told him. He said, I want you to build an altar and worship me. But before you do that, you have to tear down some of the false God altars that are in your community. And then you'll be ready to build this other altar. And by the way, if you read through the story, the town is furious about this because this is one of the things that they enjoyed, was worshiping Baal. And when they find out it's Gideon, they seek his life. It's not a way to... Gather an army, by the way, by making everybody in your community mad. But he did it. He sought God first. Often, though, seeking God, putting God first, begins by removing the thing in your life that is taking God's place. Let me give you an example. I just, um, the last few weeks, I've been on the full court press project of reorganizing my garage. And uh, I built some janky cabinets in the beginning, and, um, you know, I just 
things were, it was just starting to fall apart, the law of entropy, everything moves toward disarray, my garage was an example of that. So here's my workbench area now. Now guys, if you want to just take a moment and worship that. Yeah, how about some applause for that? If you want to know where the hammer is, it's hanging in the hammer spot. I totally geeked out on this. This, this, when I stand in front of this workbench, it sparks joy in me. <laughs> you have to be on Netflix and watch Tidying Up to get that. But. Okay, but that's not how I started. Go to the next picture. This is what my garage looked like before I did the cabinets. Big piles of junk. And so I needed to get one of these. Big dumpster in front of my house. Neighbors loved me. They did love me because I said, hey, I got room left. You want to throw some trash out? So they did the same thing. So what am I saying? It's like before I could build my workbench area, I had to get rid of some junk. And see, here's the problem. In, in, in Israel's time, during this time, they weren't full-fledged, gave up on God. They... They were still worshiping God. They still knew the God, Yahweh God. They still knew all the stories of how they escaped from Egypt. They, they had all that. They went to temple, but they also had their false gods. And they tried to put a foot in both worlds. If you're seeking God's guidance, you will never get it fully as long as you're only partially following him. Uh, the last couple of weeks, our women's ministry has been doing this fantastic thing, uh, a Thursday night Bible study titled, Girl, Read Your Bible. And they've had these different speakers from our church, ladies, and they, they are fantastic. And last week, uh, uh, Becky, who, who does our church life and everything, she, she talked about how we want to put our feet in one world and the other at the same time, that there's like a line of faith. And when you're on this side of faith, you know, you're an unbeliever, but eventually you step across that line, and now you're, now you're across the line in faith. But many Christians turn back and look back toward their life before faith. Or we try to put an eye on each, right? Like, like, and people aren't lizards, so that doesn't work out too good. We can't look at both sides constantly. And she, she gave this quote from Lisa Tukerst, who said that, you know, you steer toward what you stare at. You get it, right? We cannot partially obey ourselves into God reassuring us. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It starts with seeking God, putting God first, and then... Then there is this promise attached to it, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's like, it's not, it doesn't mean that life is perfect because you put Jesus number one. What it means is, if you put Jesus number one, a lot of things fall in their place. Proverbs 3, 6 uh, echoes this. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So putting Jesus first is, he is the king, and there's only one king. And in that kingdom that 
Jesus is over, we are either citizens under his reign or servants in his palace. But he is the king. If you're wondering, what, what does it mean to be a Christian? What is the gospel? The gospel isn't just, I prayed this little magic prayer and now I'm a Christian and now I just go on with my life. The gospel is inviting the good news of Jesus Christ into every part of our lives. There are difficult parts and there are parts that immediately we find peace. But that peace and that reassurance comes when we make Jesus truly our king. If you need clarity in your decisions, if you're trying to find the path that God has for you, you have to put God first. And in doing so, you probably have to get rid of some of your old junk. Number two, if you're looking to gain some reassurance, put God first, but then ask God for reassurance as often as you need to. Ask for reassurance as often as you need to. You know, you could look at Gideon and say, you know, man, the guy doesn't have any faith. He keeps asking. But like, the, the one thing should come through is he is constantly inquiring of God. Is this really what you want me to do? That's a good thing. And, you know, he's doing it so much, he even feels like a pest. He says, don't, don't get angry with me. I just have one more assurance. But what, what I see in this narrative is that every time God gives him the reassurance. That's true of every hero in the Bible. If you want to start at the beginning, if you want to talk about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Esther, Ruth, David, Moses, just think of all these Bible characters you've heard of. They all had a big thing that God wanted them to do. And they constantly inquired of God. And they needed, not just like I need the answer, like they were looking for reassurance from God. And God is ready to give it to us if we're inquiring, if we're asking sincerely about what God wants from us. Look at some of these verses, James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, anybody ever feel like you lack wisdom? I do. He should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. He doesn't break you off because you're asking for wisdom every day. He gives it generously. 1 Peter 5.7, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God recognizes it. We get anxious. We get apprehensive. Give that to me, God says. Psalm 25, 9, he, God, guides the humble in what is right and teaches them the way. You want to know which way to go? Be humble before God and ask him. Isaiah 30, 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear, hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Have you ever felt like that? Like as you took a step, you got a little glimmer of hope and you took one more step. There was like a voice behind you that says, that's the way. That's the way. Keep, keep going that way. You see, constantly asking God for direction is not wimpy. It's putting us under the leadership of God. It's acknowledging that God is our king. So it's not a lack of faith to keep asking. It's really saying, God, tell me. 
what you want me to do. And when we do that, it also allows him to redirect us. Because sometimes you, you, you're saying, God, I want to do, you know, lead me, and you think it's this thing. And have you ever found like God will just start you down a road only to get you moving so that he could turn you? Someone once said to me that, uh, you know, a moving object is easier to steer than a stationary one. Sometimes you just need to take a step. And, and it's not wimpy to, like, reach back to God and say, is this the right thing? As I got ready for this message this week, I, I went around and talked to a bunch of people, like, and I just asked them, what are you seeking reassurance from God on? Here's some of the things that I've heard. Uh, one person had their first child going off to college. I've done that three times, so I know what that's like. And it's like a whole new level of anxiety. Your kid's going to not be there. Um, someone talked about a career change. Uh, some people were talking about a planned career change and a door opened. Other people were talking about uh, just a career change that came out of the blue, and they took it, and they sought God in that moment. Uh, some people talked about leaving a college and going somewhere else. A lot of people talked about the relationships, empty nest. Some people going through a divorce. Some people trying to hold their marriage together. All of our uh, marathoners that are getting ready, they're, they're like, they have constant questions about God, and not just about the race, about like, how do I fundraise? You know, that's probably, I'd rather run 26 miles and ask somebody for money. That's a big challenge, too. I don't know what's in front of you, but if you ask God for reassurance, especially if you need hope, if you just need a little light at the end of the tunnel, then ask God, and I believe that he will give it to you because we can know what God wants us to do, and we can know that he's with us if we put him first and we're constantly seeking reassurance from him. And then last, if you're looking for reassurance from God, then ask for a sign, but look for corroboration as well. Ask for a sign, but look for corroboration as well. I'll explain that in a minute. But Gideon asks specifically for signs. How many of you have asked for a sign from God before? Raise your hand. Come on. Wave them in the air like you just don't care. Okay. God, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know that I ask specifically for signs, but I've definitely, God, open the door, close the door. We've all, we've all done that in some way. It reminds me of that song uh, from 1967 by Brenton Wood. Just give me some kind of sign, girl. Oh, my baby. That's my favorite line. Show me that you're mine, girl. All right. See? There's a message in that. Because that's a guy singing about a girl that he wants to date or, or be with. And you know what guys are saying? Just give me a sign. That's all I need. Get, you know, give me a wink. Look at me. Give me some hope because I don't want to get blasted if I, I don't want to be embarrassed. Girls, I'm helping you out here with your date life. Just hang with me here. But don't we do that with God? It's like, just, just give me a sign, God, and I'll take a step towards you. Gideon signs uh, one he doesn't ask for, the consumption of the offering. 
and two he specifically asked for, and they're pretty like high-level signs. And God answers it for him. When I was thinking about taking this job, you know, early on, before they even put out the 27-page application, thank you, CRM, for that, um, I started thinking that I might want to apply. But I didn't dare tell anyone. I think I've told part of this story or all the story before. And I, I kept saying, God, you know, like, I don't know how to broach the subject without putting pressure on people. I don't want it to get weird. I don't want to get rejected. And, um, and I started praying, God, just, just show me if I'm supposed to say anything. And then one day I'm sitting at Ryan Brothers with Greg Caruso, Caruso our interim pastor, and they were getting ready to fire up the, the uh, application process. And he, he asked me, hey, you know, do you know anybody that might be interested in this job that could, do, you know, could take it on? My heart starts pounding. I'm like, do I, is this a sign, Lord? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And he goes, really? Who is it? Let me have their name. And I said, I'm thinking I might be the guy. And he just laughed in my face. He fell out of his chair. No, he didn't. He, he, he sat back and he goes, wow. Wow. And I'm like, is that a good wow? <laughs> Didn't know if I was going to get up and go cry somewhere or like, you know. So anyway, I felt like that was a sign, and I took it. I stepped through it. It was a big risk. But, you know, when you get a sign, there's some problems with signs. And I want to address them, and then we'll wrap up, okay? You need to seek corroboration when you feel like God is giving you a sign for a couple of reasons. One is the confidence a sign gives is short-lived. You'd think it would last longer, but it doesn't. Look at Gideon. He gets some miraculous signs plus an angel talking to him, and he's still asking for more confidence. So if you place too much confidence in this sign, you're thinking that that's going to be the thing that answers all the questions. I assure you that it won't. I did talk to somebody last week or this week that talked about how they actually replicated Gideon's sign, and they were thinking about changing colleges, and so they wet a towel in their dorm room, and then they put it on the floor, and they said, God, just make my towel dry by tomorrow. I can't even remember how that worked out. I just thought it was so weird. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not, it's, I'm not here to judge your signs, okay? Okay, and the second reason you should corroborate signs is the interpretation can be subjective. You know, there's so much self involved when we, when we throw out signs. And, and, and because, because self is involved, it's pretty easy to misread the signs. And, and you know, uh, so self is a big part. And even Jesus said that, signs, that Christians could be deceived by signs. So we have to be careful with them. You remember there's that scene in Bruce Almighty where he's begging God for a sign, Jim Carrey, and like he's driving, God, give me a sign. And then there's a flashing sign, caution about, he doesn't see that. And then there's like a truckload of road signs that goes by him. He just misses every sign because we're so focused on ourselves, we don't even see what God is telling us. I, I find that to be especially enlightening. Um, 
God can give us a nudge. He can give us a word from someone else. He could give us a dream. He could give us kind of like a thing that we read or something happens in church. And yet all of those things need to be corroborated by things like, and this is just one line in your notes, uh, you know, advice, respected advice, sound theology, wisdom, the scripture, of course, circumstances are a big part of it. And then you can just add prayer because prayer is the way that we kind of um, discern all of that. You know, I've heard people talk about things that God is leading them to do that no one else thinks that, they're the, that, that God is leading them to do that. And I realize that sometimes you, like, that's, a, that, that's okay, and you go forward. But as with the sign, with me taking this position, there were so many other guardrails that went with that that it saved me from dread, and it also saved you from being inflicted with someone that wasn't the most awesome pastor you could ever have. <laughs> you know that's not true, right? I'm just kidding. Gideon's story isn't about his signs. It's not about, um, you know, his self-actualization. It's not about a dr- the dreams that he has for his life. Gideon's search is a search for what God wants for him. That's the key. God, what do you want? And he finds his way by putting God first, by destroying false God and worshiping the real God. He finds his way by constantly checking back with God. Is this really what you want? Is this really what you want? And he finds his way by asking God for a sign. God, open doors, close doors. Lead me forward. Show me the way. But in the end, what he's really looking for is, God, what do you want for me? If you're looking for God's leading, if you have a big thing in front of you that you don't think you can get over, if you just need to know if you should even have that conversation that you're, that you're feeling a nudge about, if you're, if you're wondering if you can trust your finances to God, if you're wondering if you should be an usher or a children's, uh, help in children's ministry, whatever the thing is for you, if you're wondering if God's going to hold your marriage together, if you're wondering if you know, your kids are going to make it and you're just finding out, you're trying to find out, God, what part do I play? God will show you. Someone shared this psalm with me this week. We're going to put it up on the screen. And if you're looking for God to lead you, I just want you to make this your prayer this week. I think it's so amazing. Show me the path where I should walk, O Lord. Point out the right road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. Let's make that our prayer this week and see if God doesn't give us the reassurance to tackle the things that he has for us. Let's pray. 